0: Uh, This summer, we've been looking at the conversations between God and his people throughout Scripture because we just want to see how they might inform and guide the conversations that we have with God. Because like we said last week, that's all prayer is. It's just a conversation with God. Now, the other day, I I was methodically deleting a bunch of junk email, just one after the other. And as I hit delete, I noticed really quickly out the corner of my eye, the subject line of one email in particular, one that I I actually wanted to hang on to. And it said this, it said, your prayer life might be better than you think. It came from a publisher called Crossway. They typically send some pretty good stuff. Every once in a while in that junk folder, there's a little bit of gold. So luckily I was able to retrieve it. Um, Today, I just wanna read little bits of it for you. Um, And then we're gonna look at two Psalms. Um, So this article starts, it starts with a quote from a woman who grew up in the church, but she gets really honest with her pastor about her prayer life. She says this. She says, I don't pray often. And when I do, I just don't know what to say. I know it should be more than a list of demands, but I stall out. I wish I had a better prayer life. She was concerned that she didn't, not only did she not know how to pray, She didn't know what to say when she did pray. Can anyone in this room relate to that? Yeah, sometimes for me, like, I mean, I talk a lot, so it'll just flow, right? But but honestly, more often than you might expect, I find myself stuttering and struggling just to get out even a coherent thought. So the author of the article, he offered as a response, your prayer life might be better than you think. Now that's, I think it's good encouragement to tell people that your prayer life might be better than you think, but I mean, like, is that true or not? Like, is, is that true? So uh, he asked her this. He said, he said, do you read the Bible? And she said, yes. And he told her that it is true. Your prayer life is better than you think because you already have a lot of things to say to God because you read a Bible that is full of God-given spirit-inspired prayers. So let me prayer, paraphrase um, from the article for a minute because I'm convinced that his perspective, it's a really helpful way to think about the role that scripture plays in our prayer life. He says this, he says, when I, on my computer, when I open up a Word document, the program gives me the option of creating a new document from a template that's already been made, right? It's a ready-made document that's pre-filled with a bunch of like nonsense, right? It looks like Latin, but it's not. Lorem ipsum, anybody know what that means? (laughs) It basically means replace this with something from up here, right? That was exactly this woman's problem. That was her sticking point. She didn't know what to put there. She didn't know what words to say. So he encouraged her. He says, the Bible's prayers are not templates that are asking us to replace their words with our own original content, And he had this analogy, which I thought was great. He said, think of them more like example sentences that you would give to a student who's learning a foreign language. You're giving them words and phrases that they can write out and speak out loud for themselves before they have any level of fluency with the language. Now, the goal is over time, they're gonna mature enough to be able to speak for themselves, but they're not gonna get there without first learning the language. And the best way to teach them how to do that is to work through these example sentences, to learn the words. Like these prayers, they're not our own. But the prayers in scripture, especially in the Psalms, they are prayers that we can and we should speak for ourselves. We can simply pray the scriptures when we don't know what to say. That's part of learning how to pray. We have to learn the language And for people who need to be taught, it's actually a really crucial first step. He goes on to point out that Israel was expected to know the prayer of David from 2 Samuel 22 and to recite it, to put it on their lips in worship. The early church in Acts chapter 4, they prayed the words of Psalm 2. They claimed a psalm that was 1,000 years old. They claimed it as their own. These biblical prayers are given to us as our first form of prayer. So, if you're stuck at how do I start or what do I say, just turn to the scriptures because the words have already been given to you. And you can start with the Psalms. Last week we looked at Psalms of Lament. We saw that there are 58 Psalms of Lament, and we can use their words when we don't know how to talk to God about our suffering and about our despair. If I'm afraid or I'm not sure how to say to God, you let me down, you didn't come through, why didn't you fill in the blank? Those 58 psalms of lament give me the words to say. In the same way, we can use psalms that turn to God for deliverance, for salvation, for healing. We can use psalms that give thanks to God for his provision, for his protection, for his healing. We can use their words as our own so that we can communicate with God, so that we can give God the praise and glory that he deserves. So when you read the Psalms, don't read some pseudo-Latin gibberish that you have to replace with your own content. The words of the psalmists are the word of the Lord and they can be our words too and they can teach us how to pray as we mature and over time begin to develop fluency with our own prayer language. So today what we're going to do, we're going to read two Psalms. We're going to read them together, Psalm 6 and Psalm 30. And most scholars believe that Psalm 30 is a prayer that David prayed after God delivered him from some crisis or healed him from an illness. Psalm 6 was the original prayer for deliverance or for healing. I, I had a professor in the seminary, John Golden Gay, and he, he explains that He was on top of the world the day before he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He said he was in love, he had just proposed, he was engaged to be married. And then came the diagnosis, the prospect of surgery, a prolonged treatment. And he said that in that season, his prayers came in two phases. Phase one was taking this concern to God, asking God for protection. For provision, for healing, asking for his health to be fully restored so that he could enjoy his wife with his new bri- his life with his new bride. Phase two came later. It came after the final treatments. It came after the test and the all clear that he was cancer free. So Psalm six, which we're about to read, it's a phase one prayer. It's a prayer of deliverance, asking God for healing. Psalm thirty is phase two thanking God for saving him from death and from despair. But before I read the psalm, the key to all of this, the point of all of this, it's two questions that do have answers. When God does deliver us, when he does heal us in this life, the question is, why did he do it? The second question is, how are we to respond when he does? What does it mean to truly be thankful and grateful when God does step in and reverse the patterns of this world? Those two questions, these psalm ask and answer those two questions. So I just wanna invite you to listen or you can read along as we first go to Psalm six. And I do want you to consider as you hear this psalm read, how might you make this psalm your own? Like when could you use these words? For some of you, you need these words right now. How might this prayer give you the language you need to approach God and ask him for his help? So this is Psalm chapter six, starting in verse one. David writes, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who can praise you from the grave? I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. This is the word of the Lord. So, really quick, one thing that, one thing that people often don't consider when you read David's psalms, we often assume that all of his psalms... Are written asking God to deliver him from what his enemies are doing to him, deliver him from what some outside force is doing to him. What we need to consider, it is just as likely, in this Psalm and when you hear it in Psalm 30, it's just as likely that David is not praying that God deliver him from his enemies, but that God deliver him just from a real sickness, from an actual illness, that God restore his bodies his body, not so his enemies would win, but so his enemies wouldn't gloat over him in his distress. But here's the point, we don't know. We don't know the circumstances that David is praying over. And I'm telling you, that's really important. Because listen, what's amazing about the Psalms is the restraint that David and the other writers use. They don't get too specific about the details of their situation. Like, we read these psalms, these prayers, and we honestly don't know. Is he crying out to God because he's being persecuted, because he's being attacked by his enemies? In this psalm, is he crying out to God because his bones ache because of his own sin, because of his own brokenness? Or is he crying out to God because some physical illness has taken over him and is attacking his body? We don't know, and that's brilliant. See, because the authors are so general when they describe the circumstances and the context of their prayers, we are able to take a psalm like Psalm 6, make it our own and apply it to whatever situation that we are facing, to whatever the attack might be, whether we're praying for deliverance from our own brokenness, whether we're praying to be saved from the world around us, or whether it's sickness and suffering that comes from the natural world. These prayers are given to us to make them our own. Their lack of specificity is a gift. Now, like I said earlier, many scholars think that Psalm six is a phase one prayer. Psalm 30 is phase two. This is the prayer that comes after God heals and delivers him. It's a prayer of thanksgiving and praise, praising God for answering that phase one prayer. So listen to Psalm 30. And as I read this, uh, as we go through it, I'm gonna ask you to join me in some of it, just like we do in our liturgy. Um, You'll see leader and people just join me in those verses when they come up. But let me start in Psalm 30. This is verse one. David writes, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts. He goes on to say When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face from me, I was dismayed. Now that's interesting too, really quick. He may have been boasting in his own self-confidence that he was all he needed and he was brought low when God turned away, or he may have been boasting that God has him. He may have been boasting in God's provision and protection. We don't know. And again, that's the point. However it is, we find ourselves distanced and away from God. These prayers can speak our words for us. verse eight, to you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. I had to do this at 9.30. And I'm gonna have to do it again. You guys know I love you, right? I deeply love you. Can I lovingly offer a little bit of criticism? Can I, can I show you what I just heard? Gabe, will you put those words back up on the screen? This is, this is what I heard, okay? Just... You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. It's inspiring, right? (laughs) inspiring. Come on, y'all. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Amen. Come on. We here to worship or what? You guys need to preach. But listen, what do we learn when we read these two Psalms back to back? One, we learn how to, how to preach, right? We need to say it. But. but we learn that when we are facing persecution, be it from sin or the world or from sickness and disease, what are we supposed to do? Take it to God. And how are we to do it? I would argue we are to do it boldly. We are to ask God to deliver us, to save us, to heal us. In Psalm 6, God reminds, I mean, David reminds God. He says, among the dead, no one can proclaim your name. Who can praise you from the grave? And then he repeats that idea in Psalm 30. He says, what is gained if I'm silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Y'all, that's bold, To the creator of the universe, David is saying, God, you have a vested interest in delivering me because I can't serve you here if I'm dead. Do y'all hear that? This is no meek and mild prayer. This is a bold and direct appeal to God to save his life. And then Psalm 30 is his testimony. It's evidence that God can answer that prayer, that God is able to deliver. One author says it like this, I love the way he says it, he says ours is not a God who preserves his people from ever experiencing hardship, amen? We know that. Or even from experiencing his anger, but ours is the God who delivers. God is not a detached, dispassionate deity, but one who is personally and emotionally involved in his people's lives. Like in a couple of weeks, we're gonna look at Jesus's scripted prayer for us, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that in all things, the most important thing is that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, but that should not prevent us from being bold and asking for deliverance and salvation and healing from the God who has shown throughout history that he is the God who delivers and saves and heals. In a Bible study just this past Wednesday morning, somebody offered a prayer request for a friend who's battling stage four cancer and it appears as if she's coming to the end of her journey. And we spent a decent amount of time wrestling. How do you pray for something like this? Like, of course, we pray for God's will to be done. Of course. And not that she's more valuable than anybody else, but this woman is leaving behind a family. She's leaving behind a couple children. So what is preventing us from boldly going to God and asking him to save her for this life. Psalm 6 is surely not preventing us from such a bold prayer. It's given us the language and teaching us how to do it. And Psalm 30 reminds us that ours is the God who delivers, that he's not detached, that he's personally and emotionally involved in his people's lives. Y'all, there are some in this congregation right now who are going through an illness who are facing their own testing, some who just received a new diagnosis that is not at all what they hoped for. It's time to pray Psalm 6. It's time for them to pray Psalm 6. It's time for us to pray Psalm 6 over them. Have mercy on them, O Lord, for they are faint. Their soul is deep in anguish. Turn, O Lord, and deliver them. Save them because of your unfailing love. And then throughout that journey, we pray the Lord's Prayer over them and with them. And if complete healing does come in this life, then we celebrate together in praise with Psalm 30. You turned our wailing into dancing. You removed that sackcloth and you clothed us with joy. But listen, we all know the other side really well too. If complete and total healing only comes with the resurrection, then I'm telling you, we still turn to the scriptures because that is where we are reminded that there is still hope, that ours is still a God who is personally and emotionally involved in our lives and that we will meet again in a kingdom where sickness, pain, tears, and death are no more. Either way, the story ends in praise. I shared this with you three years ago on an Easter Sunday. Tony Evans is the pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in the Dallas area. He was married to his wife, Lois, for 49 years. She suffered from cancer. She went on to be with the Lord on December 30th of 2019. And at her service, their son, Jonathan, he spoke and he said this. He said, I was wrestling with God. If we have victory in your name, did you not hear us when we were praying? Did you not see the cancer? Why didn't you do what we were asking you to do? He says, I was wrestling with God. I was telling him this was such a great opportunity for you to shine, for us to see your glory. Everybody was praying, not only in Dallas, but around the country and around the world. People were watching. It was an opportunity for the world to see your glory. Where were you? Doesn't that sound like a psalm to you? Right this time the healing in this life was not the answer so his prayer was a prayer of lament it was a psalm of lament which is a beautiful and faithful prayer a bold word directed at God I wanted you to heal my mother where were you But he goes on he says I was wrestling as I was wrestling with God he answered and he said just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean that I haven't already answered your prayer because victory has already been given to your mom. There were only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. He said the two answers to your prayers were always yes and yes. God delivers, God heals. He provides for the needs of his people. He uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If the healing comes in this life, we celebrate with Psalm 30. If the healing comes only in the resurrection, we turn to scripture and we remember that there is a kingdom coming where sickness, pain, death, and tears are no more. But either way, God's glory is revealed and the story ends in praise. Amen? Amen. And all that quickly leads us to the point of all of this. And I just need to be transparent with you because as I was working through this this week, two really practical questions came to mind, really convicted me. The first one is How often have I faithfully prayed a Psalm 6 prayer? Lord, save me. Deliver me from some real problem, real conflict. Okay, the answer is pretty often. I've prayed that prayer pretty often. The confession is that I typically only pray it when I'm out of options, as a last resort, when I got to the end of my rope. That was convicting, I was even more convicted by the next question. Um, When God has delivered in my life, how many times have I stopped and prayed a Psalm 30 prayer? Offered real thanksgiving and praise for God's deliverance and healing and the answer to that question is not nearly enough. Because typically after, after having those prayers answered, after being the beneficiary of God's saving grace in this life, I've typically responded with a deep sigh of relief (laughs) and maybe thanks man (laughs) and then right back to my planning and scheming trying to navigate the next drama that's in my life y'all that's not the way it's supposed to be that's not the way we were designed to live and that's not real thanksgiving that is not honoring and giving praise to God for who he is and what he's done Like when we truly give thanks the way Psalm 30 teaches us to, we are confessing and acknowledging who it is that has given us this new life. When we sing and dance, it's not merely because we're overflowing with joy that we're still alive. We sing and we dance because we realize that we live every day in the will of a God who cares enough about his people that he will intervene on our behalf if it's in his will. And when he does so, his glory is made known to the world around us. God is unique. It's God's unique nature to save, to be a God who saves, a God who intervenes, to reverse the ways of this world, to reverse the situations we face in this life. And when God does intervene, The Psalms are demanding from us, not a simple one-time thanks man and then back to everyday life. The Psalms are demanding, they're teaching us to live a life full of praise. The Psalms are calling us to live a life that celebrates and bears joyful witness to the great reversals of God, to all the Easter's in our lives that only our God can provide. Now, this is a uniquely human trait the opportunity and the ability to respond, to react to the grace of God by living a life of praise, by living lives that point out his glory to others. Nothing else in all creation can do that. Nothing else in all creation other than humans can cry out to God for help and then celebrate and testify when he steps in. The scriptures are telling us that when we don't do it, that we're less human. (laughs) That we're not living into the image he created us in. So when that's me, I need Psalm 30 to not only give me the words to say, but to remind me of why God delivered me in the first place. So that his glory will be revealed. Not only to me, but through me to a lost and lonely world that's in desperate need of hope. That's why David's words in verse nine are so powerful. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? David is not offering God a deal, y'all. He's not bargaining. He's simply declaring the truth that God's intention for humanity has always been for his unique image bearers, unique in all creation. His intention would be for us to proclaim his goodness and mercy to the world around us, to glorify him, as we enjoy him forever. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to us. Lord, be our help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Great job that time. Good job. (laughs) I knew you'd nail it a second time. through. Hey, listen, for the next two weeks, feel free, if you want to, feel free. For the next two weeks, no original content, okay? Don't write your own prayers. Turn to the Psalms. Use them. Mind the Psalms. Look for the Psalms of joy and celebration. Look for Psalms of lament. Look for songs of deliverance and despair. Use them in your life. I've never been one. I told the 930 service, and I'll stop talking, I'm sorry, but... I told the 930 service, I've never been one to really memorize a lot of scripture. I'm a child of the technological age. You don't have to memorize scripture. It's right there in the palm of your hand. That's wrong. I'm wrong. We need to memorize scripture because we need it written in our hearts. We need it lodged in our brains because we never know when we're gonna need it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, grateful that you not only you not only give us the songs and the psalms and the prayers of people throughout history, but you, you gave them to us in a way that we can just so easily use them as our own. So over the next couple weeks as a church, as we go individually and as we gather together, teach us how to do that well. How to make these psalms personal. How to let them speak for us. Speak to the real things we face each and every day. To remember that our lives, just like David and Paul and Peter and others throughout history, that our lives are filled with chaos, but that you are a God who brings order to that chaos. And that sometimes it is in your will to bring order to that chaos even now. And we should be a people who believe that, who trust that, and who seek it, and who come to your feet asking for help. Teach us to come to your feet and teach us to celebrate really well We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.